Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Well, the reality is that uh, I don't know if we're going to be speaking about classical spirituality, although we'll see exactly how it meanders. Welcome aboard. It's nice to be with you. Fresh Thinking today, as always, on Thursday afternoons. And it's been a dark week for us as a Jewish community, unavoidable. We have to talk about it because, and I know you probably feel, but we've been talking about it the entire week. It's already Thursday. We've been speaking about it since Sunday. It's not going to go away. And it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely rough and it's definitely harsh on us as a community, as a Jewish community, as a South African community. And I, I want to highlight that. I think that as a South African community, we should all all be absolutely jarred and shaken by the terrorist attack that took the life of Ellie Kay earlier this week. So it's uh, let's dedicate today's show in his merit and memory, uh, Elio David Ben Avram Chaim. And please, God, we should we should not have to have these kinds of conversations. If you knew Ellie, or if you know the family, or if you'd like to post a tribute, you'd like to say something meaningful you'd like to share a thought just about this horrible, horrible story, of course, by all means, at any time, 34519, you can send us an SMS. You can send a message on Telegram 010, sorry, that's not the Telegram number, 061-895-1019. I should know that. I've been doing this for long enough. 061-895-1019, if you'd like to share a message on Telegram, of course, as always, you can message on social media, Facebook, Twitter, myself, at Shish. Chai FM should be too difficult to find because one thing that occurs to us as a people and unfortunately occurs too frequently is that we are galvanized. We're brought together and we're reminded that it doesn't matter where in the world you live. It doesn't matter what stripe of Jewish you might claim to be. The bottom line is we are all one. Nobody else discriminates against us in their discrimination against us if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody first checks your credentials as to what shul you belong to or what level of observance you have before they discriminate. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. And that's what these stories drive home for us. So it's a it's a bitter week, bitter week for us as a Jewish community, particularly for those of us who know the family, the K family. And so we're trying to make sense of the whole thing and trying to make it into something meaningful. If you did watch any of the funeral, would have seen Ellie's older brother, Castriel, who I know personally very well. And he got up and he spoke in this incredible way about the fact that we could mourn and we could be sad. It wouldn't be appropriate. The appropriate thing would be to act and to do something to make our world a better place. And it's fascinating how that has stimulated people. You look around and there are all these programs and projects and campaigns that have very, very quickly sprung up to do just that. So there's this locally, uh, when I say locally, it was, it was driven by local people here in South Africa. This magnificent hashtag to fill in against terror campaign, which is to get people to put on their to fill in and take a selfie and post it to social media. And the message is clear. The message is number one, Ellie was on his way to prayer. So he had his to fill in in hand at the time that he was gunned down, that he was murdered in cold blood. So we need to replace, not you can never replace somebody, but we need to replace that lost tefillin, that lost opportunity to put on tefillin. And so that's reason number one, put on your tefillin and make a statement, a statement to say you cannot 
make us disappear. So that's point number two. It's an act of defiance. As anybody knows, the Jewish way is dafka. So dafka, if you want to try and get us to be intimidated, that is dafka when we will stand up at our strongest. And in fact, perhaps that will be a big part of what we speak about today, seeing as Sunday will be the beginning of the festival of Hanukkah, which is a festival of defiance. It's a festival where we celebrate how a small band of individuals stood up against the mainstream and said, we are going to define what everybody else thinks is acceptable behavior, but reality, objectively, is just absolutely unacceptable. This business of whitewashing terror, whitewashing attacks on Jewish people, is absolutely unacceptable. And any person who has the smallest vestige of morality, regardless of who you are, regardless of what religion you follow, regardless of where you find yourself on the political spectrum, you cannot find it in yourself to stand up and to unequivocally call out and decry this kind of attack, well, then then you've got to check your moral compass because then something is really, really, really wrong. And unfortunately, when you look around at our world, unfortunately, it seems that in many sectors, the moral compass is way, way off course with incredible convoluted shenanigans to try and justify why I don't have to protest a particular kind of terror, a particular kind of crime that, of course, I would never accept in any other sphere. So that's what we're dealing with. That's the world that we're dealing with. And so in defiance, in defiance, that's the idea. You put on tefillin and you put it onto social media. And you make an announcement to the world, which is we are not going away. And we are not going to become, as Menachem Begin, I think it was, said, that Jew with trembling knees. We're not going to do that. And we're actually going to push back stronger. And number three, the third element of this particular campaign is the sense of unity. Because it's terribly unfortunate how we feel an amazing sense of unity but it's terribly unfortunate that it occurs around tragedy. So you see how many people turned out at Ellie's funeral, how many people watched it on the live stream. It's phenomenal. You're talking thousands and thousands of people. Look at how many people have come to visit the family from all walks of life and how many messages of support from all over the place. And then, unfortunately, after a crisis begins to dissipate, we forget about that sense of unity. That's the next point, is to, to, to create a sense of, of a unified front and a sense of being connected with each other and, and sharing one family, one nation, one, one focus, one goal. So these are really, really important things to consider at this point. And there are a whole lot of other campaigns. Uh, I can let the cat out of the bag. There'll be a whole, just as there is this to fill in against terror campaign, there'll be a whole light against terror campaign, which will run over Hanukkah. Same concept. Take a selfie, share a picture of yourself where, uh, lighting your Hanukkah candles, and that's a statement. It's an incredible statement. In fact, it's, it's very much the theme of Hanukkah. When you feel that the world is overwhelmingly dark, and I'm afraid to say right now it does feel overwhelmingly dark, feels that too many people, too many people with loud voices are saying all the wrong things that literally cost lives. When you feel that the world is overwhelmingly dark, Hanukkah comes along to say, well, if that's the case, shine a light. Don't complain about the darkness and don't even waste your energy trying to wrestle against the darkness. Shine light. Light is the answer. Light is the way to dispel darkness. And 
Hanukkah is a magnificent time to do that. So there would be another element of this campaign, a beautiful element of this campaign of defiance. We're not just going to roll over and play dead. We're not just going to walk around in tears as the world or many sectors of the world would like to see us do, but we're actually going to stand strong and we're going to move forward. That's something that we have to focus on as a people. It is the Jewish way. It is why, in my view, why people who went through Auschwitz called themselves survivors. They did not call themselves victims of the Holocaust. The victims were the people who did not come out of the concentration camps. The people who died, they were the victims. But everybody else chose, and that's the important point, it's a choice. They chose not to quantify themselves or qualify themselves as victims for the rest of their lives. On the contrary, they were going to step up, step forward, make a difference, rebuild, and succeed. So they don't spend the rest of their lives claiming, Oi, everybody, the rest of the world, you have to feel bad for me because I've been through something really difficult. Even though that is acceptable and we can appreciate and we can understand that when a person has a tragic experience, they are going to feel shaken. It's not our place to judge people if maybe they don't come back as strongly as you and I would have liked them to, which is probably just because we want it to be nice and easy and convenient for us that that they come back so quickly and so easily. At the end of the day, though, the Jewish approach is when we're shaken, when we're slapped in the face, there's a teaching from the previous Rebbe of Chabad that the reason the such great people, not the reason, but the feeling, the sentiment of having lost such great people during the course of the Holocaust is along the lines of if you really, really want to bring somebody to their senses, what you do is you slap them in the face. You don't slap them elsewhere because that really shakes somebody up. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how do you fight darkness with light. It's very much a Hanukkah theme. Hanukkah is just around the corner. So I think it's significant. It's something we should discuss and not just discuss. We should implement in our lives as well. If you want to share something related to L.E.K. or to, on the theme of fighting darkness with light, I'd welcome that. You could send a message on Twitter at Rabashish at FM. You could post on the Chai FM Facebook page or you could use the good old telephone 0618951019 for Telegram or 34519 for SMSs. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're talking today, I think, as we reel as a Jewish community, because we are. We are reeling, certainly as a South African Jewish community, but I think generally as a Jewish community. So we're reeling over this horrible, horrible attack that happened earlier this week in Jerusalem, our eternal capital, center of the Jewish world. And here we are, we, you know, we're, we're shaken to the core. So what do you do with it? That's why I think it's so appropriate that we're going into the festival of Hanukkah because Hanukkah is a very powerful time of the year. So let's talk a little bit about what Hanukkah represents and perhaps get it out of the classical interpretations because that's what always happens. You know, people get very excited about Hanukkah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I was joking with somebody that having spent 10 days in isolation over the last two weeks, so I was joking about the isolation diet, you know, that you sit around at home and everybody delivers food and effectively what you land up doing is you land up eating. And now we're coming up to Hanukkah, which is not a great follow-on because the Hanukkah diet is even more challenging, I think, than the, than the quarantine diet. 
so for some people, that's what it is, right? It's a great opportunity, and we use the old, so overworked joke of they tried to kill us, they failed, let's eat. So is Hanukkah simply that, that there was an attempt on our lives, there was an attempted genocide against the Jewish people, thank God for a handful of heroes, the national soldiers of the Jewish people at that time, and they got up and they fought to defend us, and thank God they were successful in spite of the fact that it was the odds were totally against them. The odds were so bad that we call it an absolute miracle that they won that war. And for many, many people, that's the whole Hanukkah story, especially nowadays, because we tend, and, and I'm not saying it's inappropriate necessarily, but we do tend to idolize or at least place on a pedestal those individuals who are courageous enough to get up and to fight to protect our lives. We don't take it lightly. We don't just, you know, take it for granted. It's an incredible thing, incredible. The people who are willing to put their lives on the line to ensure that there will be Jewish people and that we can live in a Jewish country and that we can be safe. So for many people, that's the whole Hanukkah story. And they're not wrong. It's an element. It's the big element of the Hanukkah story, the the military victory and the fact that we were not vanquished by an army that seemed absolutely poised to destroy us, God forbid. And the reason for that is because they were way greater than us in number and they were made way more advanced than us in technology. And it's true and it's a miracle and we have to give gratitude to God for that miracle. So if you have a look, for example, in the course of our Hanukkah celebrations, we do give some attention to the miracle of the war, but it's really not centerpiece at all. It's really not centerpiece, and I think that that's where this all becomes very contemporary, because sure, it's important to be safe, it's important to protect our community, whether that be the IDF in Israel, whether it be our own local security organizations, community security organizations that look after us. It's a huge mitzvah. It's one of the most honorable things that a person could ever do, is to protect their own, to protect their family, to protect the innocent. Absolutely. Amazing. And and we dare not in any way undermine the value of it. At the same time, I don't think that's actually the Hanukkah story in its essence. That's a component. It's an element of the Hanukkah story. But it's not the element of the Hanukkah story. And we can prove it, obviously, from the fact the way we celebrate the holiday is specifically around lighting lights. The people always talk about Hanukkah candles. And I'm a little uncomfortable with the expression of Hanukkah candles because it gives the impression or the, the uh, misimpression, the misunderstanding that Hanukkah is celebrated with candles, which it isn't. Hanukkah is the miracle of oil, and so ideally it should be celebrated with oil, olive oil. So whatever menorah it is, whatever Hanukkah it is that you have, ideally it should have oil, and you should be making your own wicks, or you can go out and buy wicks, because that's a whole, whole concept in its own, it's a whole skill in its own right, you know, how to make wicks for the Hanukkah menorah. And, and that's, how you, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to light the menorah. That is, that is the way we celebrate Hanukkah. And that's why we'll have this campaign about light against terror, because that is the theme. Don't think that the theme is, well, every nation on earth has to have its defense force, and that way it can protect itself, and therefore so do we. That's true. That's absolutely true. But that is not the full Jewish story, because look throughout the whole of our history, and you will be able to define again and again and again that at the end of the day, what protected us, the Jewish people, more than anything else was our 
connection to God. And that's what this oil represents in the story. So it's the light that we generate. And, and I think once you make it contemporary, because in most people's minds, you think about the Hanukkah story, what do you think about? I, I don't know what it looks like in your mind, but I think most people probably have a, a picture in their mind that looks something like this. It's in Israel, obviously, it's ancient Israel, so you have a picture in your mind of what ancient Israel looked like, what the buildings looked like at that particular time. And it's this Seleucid army, which is effectively a Greek army, but the actual people are Syrian. You have a picture in your mind, obviously, of whatever Greek soldiers look like to you in your mind. And then you, you have the Maccabees, and I would assume that the average person, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the average person would think of the Maccabees as wearing some kind of white tunics, some kind of white robes, or maybe it wasn't tunics, maybe it was flowing robes. But the point is, probably whites or beiges or something like that. They wouldn't have the body armor. You wouldn't necessarily expect them to have the body armor that the Greek army would have had. And perhaps you don't even expect that they have the same weaponry. And yet they had this immense courage. And, of course, they must have had some guerrilla techniques that they used against this massive army. And they won the war. And for many people, I think that's the picture that they have of the Hanukkah story. And it's amazing. And you get this rush because every one of us is excited at the prospect of an underdog that's able to settle a score and able to get rid of the bully and, and, and able to stand up for what is right, or as people will use the cliche, right against fight. And that's a big, big element of the Hanukkah story. And that's the contemporary element because we feel in today's world there are all kinds of people who don't have our best interests at heart, who have quite malicious intentions, and we've got to have our small but strong pushback against them. I think for many, many, many people, that is the Hanukkah story. Now, on a contemporary level, there's a nuance to the Hanukkah story that is so relevant in today's world and so often overlooked in the Hanukkah story that if you want to talk about light against might, and if you want to talk about light against terror, and if you want to talk about the symbolism of these small flames burning in your window or at your doorway, as the two different traditions are about the Hanukkah candle, you, you want to discover something in that story. You want to s discover something in that experience that talks directly to what it is to be Jewish in the 21st century. And maybe, maybe you know somebody or maybe you yourself are involved in the security, the physical security of the Jewish people either here or in our homeland. But there's a good chance you aren't. There's a good chance that you are not going to join the army or join the security or whatever it is. There's a good chance you're just a so-called ordinary citizen. So what does the Hanukkah story then mean to you? And that's what we should be exploring over here today. And I'd like to invite you to, to share thoughts about that. What does the Hanukkah story mean to you, to you in 2021? So please share those thoughts on 34519, that's SMSs, 0618951019, which is Telegram or on Twitter and on FM's Facebook page. Because obviously, when we call this fresh thinking, a big part of it is your fresh perspective on our thinking. So if you have just tuned in, this is Fresh Thinking. You with Rabbi Shishler. It's from now till just before 3 o'clock today. Bit of a heavy time for us as a Jewish community. And so I did want to speak about that, obviously, following the heinous terror attack that took the life of our fellow South African 
Elite K earlier this week on Sunday. And how do we respond to that? We're also talking about Hanukkah, where the theme of Hanukkah is actually the theme of response. Most people think, ah, you see, because Hanukkah is a call to arms. Go out there, raise your weapons and fight the enemy, which may be true in the right context, but it's not the whole story. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You have something you'd like to ask or share about the Hanukkah story or about the LEK story. 34519 is what you will use for SMSs or 0618951019 for Telegram. Otherwise, you know where to find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, whichever is your poison of preference. Use that as your way to communicate with us. So my question to you was, how do you take the Hanukkah story and translate it into a contemporary 21st century message without just simply saying, well, it's because we have enemies and we need to fight against them. And of course, some people are more militant than others. So some people are going to want to go out there and suck it to them. But there's more to the story. See, if you have a look at the story and its full history, what happens is that at some point in, in the story, at some point in the history, there's this movement. I don't, I don't want to use the word invasion because originally it was planned to be an invasion and then it turned out not to be an invasion of Greek society into the geographical area of Israel. And what, what I mean is Alexander the Great was on the march and his intention had been to conquer Israel, but it did not come to fruition. And he actually became quite close to the rabbinic leadership in Israel and he was a highly intellectually curious person. So he enjoyed all kinds of philosophical debate and discussion with them. And it was actually a positive experience at that point in time. And then when it got to the next couple of generations, bear in mind, of course, that Greek culture, which was infiltrating the entire Middle East at that time, was focused on the athleticism of the human body, so that the beauty of the human body, both aesthetically and athletically. And it was focused on the deep philosophy that was developing in the Greek world at that time, as well as the sciences and engineering and the various things that they were able to do at that time. And so the Jewish world was a perfect place to have those conversations because these were thinkers, these were philosophers, these were individuals who were also probing you know, the secrets of, of the world. The only thing is that there was this – bear in mind, Israel is a tiny piece of land. It was then too. And you had this massive Greek empire that had overtaken all kinds of civilizations and societies and had created a, preve a prevalent way of thinking in the broader civilized world at that time. And this is where things become really relevant and contemporary to us. Because the uprising of the Maccabees against the so-called Greek or Hellenist armies was not just simply a physical uprising to protect themselves from attack. It was a bold statement, a courageous statement to say, whoa, hang on a second. Just because you have des de designed a, a narrative, you've created an agenda for the world stage, and you expect that everybody's going to think along those lines, and everybody's going to adopt that particular narrative, and everybody's going to speak that language, doesn't mean you're right. And that's bold to say that. Because what often happens is people push back and say, so what are you suggesting, that everybody else is wrong? Is that what you're suggesting, that everybody else is wrong? You're the only people who have the truth, capital T? 
It's not something that is absolutely unique to the Hanukkah story. It is very much the story of the Jewish people. In fact, the Torah even says it. The Torah says you will be a tiny nation amongst nations. The smallest of them all. And in spite of the fact that within Jewish law, in order to decide the bottom line of Jewish law, you have to always follow majority view. That's inside the context of Jewish law. But outside of the context, it's a fundamental axiom of Judaism that we do not define our thinking or our faith based on what happens to be popular at a particular time, no matter how popular. And this is where the tension developed between these Syrian Hellenized individuals, which we lazily call the Greeks, and the Jews. The tension was about accepting different narratives or interpretations of the world. So you had the Hellenist interpretation of the world, which was one way. You had the Jewish interpretation of the world, which was a completely different way. And the Hellenists came banging down and saying, but you can't do this. You cannot stick to your guns and not become progressive. Because Hellenization of the world at the time was considered highly progressive. The arts... The sciences, the celebration of the human form. These were not just people walking around bonking people on the head and stealing their land. These were enlightened individuals. These were individuals who were thinkers. These were individuals who valued the intangible. These were individuals who were seen as the academics, the creme de la creme, the elite of society. And then you had these chutzpahdik, uh, stubborn Jews, as the Torah calls us. What does the Torah call us? Stiff-necked, intransigent, unmoving. And it really irked them. It really irked this Hellenist organization or, or, or society. Why don't you just come on board? Why don't you just think like us? Why don't you just accept what we have to say? Because we control the media. We control the narrative of the world. Just listen and accept. And we refused. There's a tremendous contemporary lesson in that. If you've got something that you'd like to share, 34519 is our SMS line. Otherwise, on Telegram at 0618951019. Then, of course, social media is open 24-7. Twitter and Facebook. Choose which one you'd like to use in order to communicate with us. Maybe that way we'll bring some value to the world of social media, which unfortunately is so often full of all the wrong stuff. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So this is the thing, you see. We, we, like, to, we like to interpret the stories of our history, of our festivals. We like to interpret them in such a way that they're inspiring but not demanding. Human nature, right? Everybody would prefer to be inspired and be carried by inspiration rather than to be motivated and have to do work. Right? It's much easier to use the escalator than the steps. It's much easier to use the microwave than to cook something from scratch. It's the way of people. We like the path of least resistance. So when it comes to a holiday, it's a holiday. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time of festivity. So we want to feel celebratory. We want to feel uplifted. We want to feel inspired. And that's not the way Jewish holidays actually work. 
The way they actually work is that you've got to put in effort and you've got to work through the lesson. Not just the lesson to, to, to learn it, but to apply the lesson of the specific holiday. So Hanukkah's lesson is a very challenging lesson because everybody loves the idea of light dispels darkness. We love it. It's so encouraging. It's so optimistic. It's so positive. And especially after what we've gone through over the last year and a half, and of course, breaking news today, new variant of COVID. Start to, okay, it's a subject for another conversation, but you start to feel like, is this world ever going to be light again? So we like that message. We, we enjoy hearing it as a message of light and illumination and transformation and getting past problems. And, and we like the fact that there were brave Jews at some point in our history, or possibly still today, in some parts of the Jewish world. But the minute they tell us, okay, read the story and apply it in your life in a contemporary way, that's when we say, whoa, one second, hang on, what exactly are you asking of me? But in this particular case, when we say light over dark or light against terror, as the pain might be, the Hanukkah story is an incredibly challenging story, incredibly challenging, because when you read the story in its fuller detail, you come to discover something very disturbing. And that is that this was not simply a battle where the lines were drawn between the Jews and their enemies. This was a battle where quite a number of the Jewish people had joined the Hellenists. They had adopted those opinions. They had adopted those views. They had started to use that narrative, the modern, enlightened, amazing perspective of the Hellenized world. And they found their own Jewish brethren to be objectionable. What's with you? Why are you so behind? Why are you so closed-minded? It's time to move on. It's time to be progressive. And that's actually where the Battle of Hanukkah happens. The battleground, long before it hits weaponry, is the battleground of ideology. We as Jewish people do not define reality based on popularity. Oh, this is in. It must be right. That's not how we look at it. We don't say this is in and therefore must be right. We don't say everybody's talking that way and therefore this is the way that we should become. Because we've been there, done that. Since the Hanukkah story and prior to the Hanukkah story, we have done this multiple times in different countries, faced with different cultures, different religions, different societies. And again and again and again, it's always been the same thing. You people need to adapt. You people need to change. You people need to shed that old-fashioned Judaism so that you can move with the times. And you know the bizarre thing about our history? We're still doing those same things. Those same old-fashioned things. So we're still winding to fill in around our arm every morning. And we're still going to light the same kind of Hanukkah lights next week. We're not going to use LEDs. We're not going to use some kind of a fancy laser display. We're going to take candles or oil. We're going to light it exactly as it was done 2,000 years ago. You know why? Because we know something being this ancient nation. We know something that people forget because memory seems to be short-term in most cases. No, we remember that we've seen this before. We've seen Egypt, ancient Egypt, tell us, time to move on. 
shed your identity, become like us. Join the national construction effort for the betterment and improvement of Egypt. And what did it do for us? Left us as slaves. We've seen the Greek culture come into, into Israel. And this is, of course, the Hanukkah story. And say, open your minds and study this great philosophy and appreciate that your, your chastity is, is ridiculous. We have to celebrate the human form. And they came and went, all of these societies, them and many others like them. Because at the end of the day, people are, by and large, transient. We shift, we're fickle, we change our minds, we change our opinions. Things that were once so incredibly popular fall by the wayside. Things that were once upon a time nobody would ever entertain doing become vogue. And it's always in a state of flux. And we're fortunate. We're stubborn people. It's interesting because when in the Torah, God says to Moses that the Jewish people are stubborn, or at least when Moses says it to God, he says, and therefore you should forgive them because they're stubborn. Now, that doesn't sound logical, right? Surely, if they're stubborn, that implies that they, they don't behave well. You know, they kind of dig their heels in and misbehave. Why would you forgive them? No, because they're stubborn. Because we're stubborn. Because we won't flinch. Because we won't change. Because we cling to our ideals. Because we understand that light of a laser show or light of an LED will never have that same energy of the flame of a candle and more so the flame of olive oil. We understand that. We understand it fundamentally. We understand that even more exciting than the things that are new are the things that never go, that never grow old. And so it's a very contemporary lesson for us because in today's world there are all these new definitions of life, all new definitions of what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior, what is moral and what is immoral. It's a strange and, dare I say, toxic world where the most promiscuous and immoral people on earth point the finger at others and say, you're not living as people should live. It's a strange place that we live in here on earth. It's a strange place where it is acceptable in world leadership and it's acceptable in the minds of people who consider themselves to be decent that a young man in his own city, his own holy city, the city that has belonged to his people for 3,000 years, should be innocently walking to pray and be murdered on the way. And for some reason, people with all their wonderful progressive values can't find it in themselves to scream and shout and protest from the depths of their beings. That's why we're stuck. That's why we'll still thank you very much. Stick to our Hanukkah. Because there's too much darkness in this great progressive mentality that has overtaken our world. Love to hear your thoughts. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, yeah, I think that this is where things become a little bit, uh, a little bit more challenging to us, but very important for us to remember. And that is the, the world we live in, just because things are popular does not mean that they are right. And just because everybody is happy to accept a particular narrative does not mean, A, that that narrative is true. 
And B, it does not mean that that narrative will necessarily endure. But one thing we do know, that light dispels darkness. And one thing we do know, that light emerges from God himself. The first thing that God ever created was light. And when we go on Hanukkah and light our menorah, we're drawing on that original light that Hashem pumped into and imbued into his world. Because although prior to the creation of light, the world was dark, but the first act of creation is, a, is, a, is the creation of light. And that's a very important message for us. Yes, you're going to look around and you're always going to find a dark world. That's the fact. The only thing that it should spur you on to do is to say, so how do I generate light? I don't have, as a human being, and all the greatest and smartest human beings in the world do not have the capacity to create light out of darkness. Nobody does. That's why the great Hellenist Empire thought that they bring the light of philosophy and the light of wisdom to the world. And the Jews said, that's very nice. But if you really want light and you really want to change our world, you have to draw on the source of where light comes from. This is Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a reminder that we're fortunate people. Hanukkah is a reminder that we are blessed to have this unshifting, absolutely consistent core of values, core of guidance and of wisdom in our Jewish world from our Torah. That's where light comes from. We've experimented with so many other things through the course of our history and every single time it's ended badly. Like when the Jews thought Hellenization was a good idea and it led directly to this incredible conflict that saw the, that cost the lives of people almost cost us our temple in Jerusalem. We've experimented so much in our history. Today, thanks to the internet, go and research and see how many of those experiments failed, how many times we tried to be mainstream like everybody else in the hope and the dream that they would just then accept us and it never worked. As um, the uh, late chief rabbi of England used to say, non-Jews respect Jews who respect Judaism. That is light. This Hanukkah in the face of this incredibly difficult period we're in, we should have the courage to get up and to share, firstly with our families and with the world around us, the light of real, uh, immutable values as found and taught in the Torah. So I want to wish you a happy Hanukkah, an illuminating Hanukkah, an elevating Hanukkah, an enriching Hanukkah. Of course, prior to that, a good Shabbos Stay safe. Stay sane.